0: So, you hang out of that. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And I want to talk to you. Anybody want a move of God in here? Anybody want a move of God? If you don't know what a move of God is, go get the last three CDs from the last three Sundays. We've been talking about it. We have seen that a move of God is a move of God's Holy Spirit. A move of God is like leaven that spreads out and leavens the whole of society. A move of God is never kept within four walls. It always spreads out and touches the whole city, the whole country. The only hope for America today, I tell you, is a move of God. That's all that's left. Without a move of God, we're sunk, but there is hope. There is hope that there will be a move of God. So today I want to talk to you about how a move of God begins. Let's look at what Jesus, a little story of Jesus here. He's traveling through all the towns and villages of a particular area. And what is he doing everywhere he goes? He's teaching in the synagogues. And he's announcing the good news about the kingdom. We're a church of good news, not bad news. And what did he do after he taught? He healed every kind of disease and illness. There was not a a, a disease or an illness, not any type, any kind that Jesus did not heal he healed them all now it goes on and says when he saw can everybody say with me when he saw saw. think about what he saw as we read this when he saw the crowds what did he see he had compassion on them because they were confused they were helpless they were like sheep without a shepherd what did Jesus see when he saw people, he saw that they were helpless, confused, and wandering like sheep that have no shepherds, so they don't know where to go. That's what Jesus saw when he looked at people. Now, he said to his disciples after feeling this surge of compassion towards them, he said, I want you to look at this. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. Great harvest, few workers. So what did he say to do in verse 38? Say it loud with me. Pray. He said, so you take this to prayer. Pray. To who? The Lord who is in charge of the harvest. The Lord's in charge of the harvest. It's his harvest. Now, he goes on and says, ask him, pray to him to send more workers into his field. Now, Father, we thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Help us to see what you saw and to pray like you prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let me talk to you about this for a minute. Now, I didn't wear a suit today, as you can tell. You probably thought, I've never seen him on a Sunday without a tie. You're right. You have never seen me on a Sunday. But I'm getting set free. Every once in a while, I may just go there. But now, I, I, I didn't wear a suit for a reason today because I'm going to need to put these jackets that are next to me on my left. Uh, I'm going to need to put them on and off a lot so I didn't need a suit uh, hindering me. So hang with me for just a minute and you'll know what those are all about. But I want you to notice, let me, I want to flip these passages. We're going to start at verse 38 and go backwards to 35. He said in verse 38, pray to the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest. In another version, he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's his harvest. He's going to harvest millions of people before he comes again. He said the field is white. I want you to look at it. Look out there at the field of harvest. Look at the souls of people. Get out there and look at them. And look at them when you look at them with my eyes. See what I see. Observe what I saw. He said, what I see is helpless, hopeless, shepherdless people. And he said, in light of that, I want you to pray. Now, if you're like me, you have always been taught, and I've always preached, that a move of God begins with prayer. And in a a real, very real way, it does. A move of God begins with deep, crying intercession to God that he would move. There's never been a move of God that people didn't pray. But I want to take it backward even further one other step. I want to tell you that there's never been the kind of praying that you need to pray for a move of God until you have felt what Jesus felt and see what Jesus sees. In other words, you're never going to pray a move of God in until you see people through Jesus' eyes. Until you get a burden for people. You're never going to see them the way that Jesus did. Jesus had a burden for people. When he looked at people, he had compassion on them. He saw them as helpless, hopeless, shepherdless. He saw them in big trouble. He saw them in dire straits. He saw them as lost. He saw them as in a perilous position. We will never pray like Jesus prayed until we see what Jesus saw. Now I want you to think about that because that's really a pretty profound statement and it's straight from the Word. We will never get on our knees and say, oh God, with any fervency or any passion whatsoever, move in this earth until we have a burden for the people He wants to move on. We need to see people through the eyes of Jesus. Now here's why. Because the way you see people will decide how you treat those people. The way you view people will determine how you treat them. The way you view your spouse, your children, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, the way you view them will decide how you treat them. Very, very important then that we have the eyes of Jesus. See, our eyes need to be redeemed. They need to be converted. They need to be changed. We need to put on the eyesight of Jesus Christ. And you know what? I've got good news for you today. The Bible says this can be done and we can do it today. We can start right now putting on the eyes of Jesus and seeing people the way Jesus saw them. Oh, it'll make a huge difference in the way you, you feel about them, in the way that you treat them, in the way that, 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 that you feel around them. It'll make a huge difference when we begin to look at people through the lens of the eyes of Jesus. Now, let me t- quote a verse to you. Here's a verse that I think we just skim right over sometimes, and it, it, it's something we need to really think about and look at today. The Bible commands the Christian, if you name the name of Christ, you're a Christian, If you have been born again, you're a Christian, and we are told as Christians, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, wait a minute. I thought he was living in me. What in the world does it mean, put him on? Do you know that that little phrase, put on, is the only time in life it gives us permission to be a put on? It's the only time when it's good for you to be a put on, that you are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, that verb, that command is the same command that the Bible uses when it tells you to put on a, a garment. Now here I have on this, this sport coat. Now notice, I just took this sport coat off and I'm holding it. Now, how easy is it to put on Jesus Christ? I'm about to show you. It's the same verbiage. It's the same word, same idea. You get up in the morning and the Bible says put on the Lord Jesus Christ you put him on you better not walk out the door without having put on Jesus see we're called to put on the Lord Jesus Christ well when I read that I say well how in the world do you do that?" that doesn't make any sense to me because I thought he was just living in me and eventually I would bring forth the fruit of the Spirit and eventually I would be more and more like him. And that's true. But guess what? There is also something called, by faith, just putting him on. And so that's the first way of three ways I want to share with you today that you put on Jesus. Now see, if you don't learn to do this, you're not going to walk in the Spirit. If you don't learn to do this, you're not going to be very effective for him. As a matter of fact, if you don't learn to do this, let me tell you what you're going to be. You're going to be a cultural Christian and not a biblical Christian. You're going to look like the culture. You're going to smell like the culture. You're going to talk like the culture. You're going to be like the culture unless you learn to put on Jesus Christ. We put him on first by an act of faith. By faith, we put him on. Now, what is faith? Faith is the substance of things you are hoping for and it's the evidence of things that you do not see yet in time and space. Faith is the evidence of what has not yet arrived. But by faith, you know it's coming. You know that it's there. And so you walk by faith and not by sight. So by faith, we put on Jesus Christ. You know, your Christian life began with faith. The Bible says, here's where you started. Here's where your whole spiritual journey began. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now look at the two verbs, confess, believe. If you confess and you believe, you will be saved. Notice, I don't have to memorize some pamphlet. I don't have to live according to some rules and regulations for a period of time. I don't get in through the doorway of works if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart, God raised him from the dead. I have right then crossed over from death into life. I have crossed over. So if you believe in your heart, if you believe in your heart that God resurrected him, and you confess it with your mouth, you're saved, you have been born again. That is an act of the Holy Spirit has moved on you. That is an act of faith, and that is the first act of faith that you exercise to get a spiritual result. And then the Bible says that from that moment on, you and I as Christians walk by faith and not by what we see. We walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Now watch this. One of the acts of faith that we are commanded to practice on a daily basis is to put on the mind, the eyes, the words, the attitude, the humility, the everything of Jesus Christ. We are to, by faith, put it on. Now I brought two jackets with me. One of them's black, one of them's brown. I'm going to just show you a little example here, a little illustration. Let's just say that this black jacket is the old man, the old life, the old ways, the old ways of thinking, the old ways of doing, the old life. And the brown one is the new life. It is the new life. Now, think with me just for a moment as I read these verses about what I just told you. He says, You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Listen to this one. You have put off, you have put off the old man with his deeds, and you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Let me show you what happened when you got saved. You walked into some church or you went in some crusade or somebody was talking to you about Jesus and you were living your old life. Here it is, I got it on, the black leather jacket. You were cussing, you were spewing, you were spitting, you were chewing. You were living a life of sin. You were doing all those things in darkness that you did when you were in darkness. And somebody came up to you and said, Hey, did you know that Jesus Christ died for you and rose again from the dead, that He loves you and He can give you a brand new life? And they told you this. And something struck you. You got convicted of your sin and you said, wow, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and I confess with my mouth that He is Lord. And when you did that, the old man, the old life, the old self was buried with Him. Now watch this and you picked up a brand new person. I'm not talking about rehabilitation. This was not rehabilitation. And how come I can't get my, there we go. I can't get the new man on. And that's how hard it is sometimes. Now, where was I? And you put on the new man. And this was not rehabilitation. I'm not talking to you about rehabilitation. This was, this was not a New Year's resolution. We're talking about a spiritual transformation where the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any person be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old has passed away and all has become new. So you bury that old man with, by baptism into death with Jesus Christ and you were raised to walk in the newness of life. And God gave you a brand new nature. A brand new nature. Now look at what these verses say. You have put off the old man. It says you have put on Christ. So these verses are pointing us back to the moment we got saved. And it's saying it's a done deal. When you got saved, you put off the old nature And you picked up a brand new nature. You were born from above. You were regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you became a new species of being that has never before been. Powerful stuff. But now, now, then the Bible takes us one step further. And it says not only did it happen in the past when you got saved, but now every day on a daily basis Listen to Colossians 3, verse 12. It says, Throw off your old sinful nature. I'm going to put on the sinful nature again. Here I go. Those of you listening by radio, I'm putting on the black leather jacket again. And for some reason, it goes on a lot easier than the other one. <laughs> All right, now watch this. He said, Every day, there's a hundred times in any given day when you have to make a decision. Am I going to put on that old nature, walk in those old ways, think those old thoughts, say those old things, live in those old habits, or am I going to choose to put on Jesus? By faith. Colossians 3, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead... Put on. Everybody say put on. Put on. Put on. So, so here I go. Here's the old sinful nature. I'm going to show you how this works in just a moment. Watch this. Here it is. He says, when you're confronted with a situation where you're being tempted to live the old way, think the old way, say the old things, make fleshly decisions, he said, throw it off. And then... Put on, as God's chosen ones, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And what do those adjectives describe? Jesus. You put him on. And where I'm going with this is, it's up to you and I whether or not we put on the eyes of Jesus because that's part of putting on that new man. You put on that new man, you're going to see people the way Jesus sees people. Because if you don't see them the way he sees them, you're never going to have a burden for them. You could care less. It's you you for and no more. And, and it's all about you making it and you surviving and nobody else is involved. But if you put on the eyes of Jesus, you start getting a burden for people. You see them the way he saw them. I'm going to be real transparent with you today. Kathy and I had a neighbor. When we moved into the house that we've been into for 19 years, we we, we had a neighbor that just got off on the wrong foot. It got off on two wrong feet. Matter of fact, it wasn't good at all. And there were words. I didn't do them, but I sure had them done to me. (laughs) How many of you have ever been fried and skewered by somebody And, and it just didn't, it didn't go well. And from the moment that we had this kind of falling out with a neighbor, I noticed that I could have on that brown coat all day long. But when I saw them, (laughs) I was looking at them through judgment, through criticism. Uh, 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 I looked at them in a way that was not Christ-like. It was not good. I'd scowl. I wouldn't talk to them. I'm being honest with you. You say, you, Pastor Jeff? Me. Because I thought I had a right to be mad because of the way that I'd been talked to. You know, you can justify anything you want to. You can find a verse for anything you want to. So when I would see them, on would go the black coat, off would go the brown coat. And I'd turn the other way, wouldn't talk to them, avoid them. Didn't do anything to build a bridge stayed, uh, uh, um, sort of held a a righteous grudge. And one day, years down the road, I'm embarrassed to say, I walked out to the mailbox and I looked, and the the trash had been emptied, um, and I saw a big bottle or a a big uh, container of booze bottles of hard liquor. Big pile of them. Well, see, she had lost her husband. And man, I still wore the black coat. I saw the booze bottles, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, she's hurting. You need to see her through my eyes. I felt so convicted I felt so unspiritual. I felt so unworthy because I was Mr. Righteous wearing that brown coat everywhere I went except for when it came to her. Now, I know none of you ever do this, but you can get the CD and take it to somebody. And so, all of a sudden, Jesus was standing next to me at the mailbox. You know, he shows up at the strangest places. He's standing next to me at the mailbox, and he said, She's hurting, and 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 what happened was, as the weeks went by, I kept seeing this this pile of booze bottles, and I thought she's hurting and she's drinking herself to death. So, I started putting on the brown coat. First time I put on the brown coat towards her, I scared her, because <laughs> she wasn't used to me saying anything to her, and I saw her outside and walked right up to her and said, "Hey." And and I know she was wondering if I was there to do something bad. Not, of course, I would never, but she was wondering, what's he doing? He hadn't talked. All of a sudden, hey, how you doing? Well, she wouldn't even look at me. She just said, fine. But every week, every time I saw her, I go up to her again. Finally, with the brown coat on, my new man, because the old man would, listen, Jesus would never treat somebody that way. So, what I'm saying is, when I, when I put on the eyes of Jesus, suddenly I had a burden for her. As long as I had on the black coat, I would never have had a burden for her because I was seeing her through fleshly eyes and not the eyes of the Lord. Is anybody hearing me today? you got to see people. So I kept it up. I'd see her out piddling around in the lawn, and I'd go, How's it going? How you doing? Hey, your, your lawn looks great love those flowers, and the ice began to melt. Do you know, and this shocked me, just about six months ago, somebody from out of state came to visit her, and she brought them over to meet me. (laughs) Proud to introduce me as her neighbor. Brown coat. Seeing through the eyes of Jesus. See, you're never going to have a burden for anybody until you see them through the lens of the new nature. And the new nature includes seeing them through his eyes. I think conviction is in the room because it's very, very quiet. Who do you need to put on the brown coat around? Who do you need to put on the new man around? Your spouse? Your kids? Your in-laws? Your outlaws? Who? He said, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Just throw it off, just like you would take off a jacket and put on, just like you would put on a jacket, God's compassion, kindness, humility, meekness. Put them on. Just put it on. So by faith, we put on Jesus Christ. Now, here's the second way we put on Jesus, by renewing our minds. You put on Jesus by renewing your minds. See, when you and I came to Christ, our spirits got saved, but our minds The way we had learned things, the way we had learned to view the world, to view people, to view ourselves, our minds needed to be renewed, erased and replaced. The old way of seeing and doing and thinking needs to be erased and replaced with God's way of thinking and seeing and doing. And that's what the Word of God will do. Now, I know I'm a broken record with you when it comes to this, but I'm going to say it again today. If you get out of this word, it's not if, it is when you begin to drift. Because you stay where you ought to be as long as your mind is being renewed. Because left to your own thoughts, you will never head towards God. You will never think godly thoughts. You will never come to godly conclusions. You will never see people through the eyes of the lord jesus so you got to stay in this word because this word will erase it's like a divine eraser and replace reprogram the way you think and see and do see 99 percent of your problem and my problem is between our two ears it's in the gray matter it's in the mind so the bible tells us be renewed in the spirit of your mind If you're not renewed in the spirit of your mind, you're going to remain a cultural Christian that thinks like the culture, talks like the culture, comes to the conclusions the culture comes to. You've got to renew your mind. Well, how often do I need to be in the Word? As often as you can. Well, how often is that? Well, at least, hopefully once a day, at least five days out of seven, Do something. Get in it for five minutes, three minutes, every single day. Just read it. Well, I don't get anything out of it. The reason you don't get anything out of it is because you haven't been in it enough to really dig. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We renew our minds by hearing and reading the Word of God. As we read about Jesus, hear about Jesus, study the life of Jesus, our minds become renewed. For instance, when I read about the way that Jesus dealt with people, all of a sudden I see the people the way he did. Listen to a couple of examples here. It says, when he saw the crowds, this is our opening text, worth reading again. When he saw the crowds, when he saw, he had compassion on them because they were confused, helpless, shepherdless. Compassion was Jesus' middle name. One day, two blind beggars sitting at the side of the road began calling out to him when he had a big crowd around him. And they said, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd turned around, looked at them the way we look at people so often, and said, shut up and be quiet. He's busy. Well, they just started shouting louder to their credit. Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And it says, Jesus, stop turned and had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight. Do you notice? Jesus looked at people that were irritating everybody else, but when he looked at them, he had compassion through the eyes of Jesus. Will you notice with me that Jesus didn't see people as intrusions into his space? He didn't look at them condescendingly. He didn't lose his temper with them, even though the Bible tells us there were times when, quote, there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat a lunch. And yet, he never snapped at them, never, ever uh, treated them condescendingly. One time when the crowds had been following Jesus for three full days without eating, without drinking, Jesus called his, his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion For these people, they have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. Nobody was feeling that way but Jesus. See, when you put on the brown coat, when you put on the new nature, you put on the eyes of Jesus with it. And the more you learn about Jesus, the more you're able to see people through his eyes. It'll take a lot of pressure off of you. And you know what I see about Jesus? He never viewed people as targets for exploitation. As so many, unfortunately, preachers and ministries do today. They exploit people. Take advantage of them because they have needs. uh, Make promises that they know will never come to pass. I hate that, for the record. because they're in need and somebody's taking advantage of their pain jesus never took advantage of people he healed them he encouraged them he never used them for his own selfish ends he never manipulated them to get something that he wanted now where to put that on So we put on Jesus by the renewing of our minds through the reading of the Scriptures and reshaping our thoughts around how He looked at people. How many of you are glad this week that the Lord looked at you through eyes of love? How many of you needed mercy this week? How many of you needed forgiveness this week? And how many of you had to say, well, Lord, it's me again? Yep, the same old thing. Would you please forgive me? And the Lord didn't say, well, you know what? I've had it with you. You're always coming to me and saying you're sorry about this and that, but you always do it again. So you know what? Boogie, out of my presence. I'm done with you. No, he said, I forgive you. How many of you would be done with you if you were in charge of you? (laughs) Now, there's one last way we put on Jesus, and it's very simple, obedience. We put on Jesus because the Word of God commands us to put on Jesus. Listen to Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Wait a minute. I thought these were supposed to grow in me. No. You put them on like a coat. He's not suggesting we pray about this. He's saying, do it. Do it. Put it on. Now, why do we have to hear this today? and Why am I preaching this when i have been talking about a move of God? Because we're never going to pray like Jesus prayed until we see what Jesus saw. John Knox, the great revivalist of Scotland, used to get on his face and cry out to God through tear-stained eyes, Lord, give me Scotland or I die. Where did he get that burden? He got it from seeing people the way Jesus did. Are these the ways we see people when we look at them? Confused, helpless, shepherdless, lost, perishing, under judgment, in need of a Savior? Jesus said, I see them as lost. I see them as perishing. I see them under God's judgment. And I see them as confused and helpless and not knowing where to go or what to do because they have no ultimate shepherd. It's only a matter of time before they crash on the rocks. Is that the way we see people? I'm going to close with this story. The Salvation Army that stands outside of Walmart and rings the bells and gets an offering from you as you go into Walmart, and you sometimes try to dodge them because you don't want to look at them and you don't want to face having to say, you know what, not today. So you walk way over on the other side, and they even still manage to see you and say, God bless, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then you feel even worse. <laughs> All right. That that Salvation Army used to be a soul-winning machine. They used to be the red-hot, Holy Spirit-filled, gospel-preaching, no-compromise, evangelical force of their day. Thousands of people came to Christ through the ministry of the Salvation Army. And the the leader was General William Booth. And General William Booth had four requirements for anybody who was going to be in the Salvation Army. And they're very brief and quick. Here they were. Every soldier, that's what they were called. If you remember, you were a soldier. Every soldier must live a holy life. Two, every soldier must possess a practical love for souls. Third, every soldier must offer burning prayers. And fourth, every soldier must actively fight for the salvation of others. Now notice, you've got to live a holy life. You've got to have a natural love and burden for people. You've got to offer, let that burden be turned into burning prayers for people. And then you had to be fighting all the time for somebody's salvation. And if you did that, you were a soldier in the salvation army. Man, we could put that on today, couldn't we? Couldn't we put that on today? And say, you know what, Lord? Help me. Help me to live a holy life. And Lord, help me to have a natural love for people as I look at them with the brown coat on. Lord, help me to offer up burning prayers like my own soul depended on it. And help me to be always fighting for the salvation of others. Who is in your life whose salvation you're fighting for? Who have you targeted? Who around you have you got a burden for? That's what we want to pray for today. I'll be honest with you, church. There have been seasons in my life where I didn't have that going on with me. You know, get involved in your own struggles, get involved in your own fights, and you're just not looking out there at the harvest. But when we're healthy, we'll be looking out that way. Can you stand with me? Now, here you have... In your bulletin, not by mistake, but on purpose today, this that you can put on the eyes of Jesus, it may happen to you before you get home in the restaurant. Some little waitress comes up, and you look at them, and you say, helpless, hopeless, shepherdless, lost, perishing, under judgment, needs God. And give this little card away. It just gives a little map to our church, having trouble connecting, you're closer than you think how many of you are glad that somebody reached out to you and took the time and the trouble to win you to Christ I want you to take this in your hand would you today if you've got a bulletin I want you to take it in your hand and let's just hold it up and you know what these are gonna go into someone's hands and I want us to pray an anointing on them you're the only Jesus some people are ever gonna see you may tell them about the Lord before they go into eternity you never know so let's pray over it right now Father we took the time and the trouble and the expense to print these cards with someone in mind Lord we are all gonna run into somebody that no one else is gonna run into and we pray that you'll anoint us and anoint these cards to be the bridge that invites someone to meet you now if you already know the person you're going to give it to, would you just take a minute and pray as you hang on to this card, and I don't want anyone in here if I could ask you not to, please don't have this in your possession by this time next Sunday, give it away Go ahead and pray for them. Lord, be glorified, be glorified yes. in my life, Lord, be glorified today. Well, if you believe God's going to touch somebody, give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank God for this, amen, thank God.